What's the outlook for the outfield? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome in, everybody, to Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is me, Joey P., Joe Pizapia, and today it's about the outfield. That's right. We're going to do our outfield preview right here. Who are the sleepers, the busts, the must-haves, and the values as well? And there's nobody that I like to talk to better than the guy who has more energy than I do. He's the one, the only host of the Palazzo Podcast. He is Michael Govier. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at MJGovier. Michael, we had you on last year. It was one of the most fun mock drafts you could possibly imagine. It's great to see your face again. It's great to have you back. And it's great to talk about a little outfield here and talk about some baseball as we turn the page from NFL now that the Super Bowl is in the can. Lights out, Gorilla Radio. Let's oh, do it. Yes. All right. I can't wait to rage with you against this machine. That's what we're doing. <laughs> so so as the labor dispute drags on, what's your what's your take on this? Where are you at? You think we're going to get any spring training? You think we're going to miss games? Don't worry. I'm going to hold you to whatever you say and say you yeah. were right or wrong regardless. Yeah, I'm screwed. I get it. But here's the thing <laughs> is I've kind of been hardcore on fact that there is a massive massive amount of contention and spare me please everyone spare me hey you don't really know what's going on you're not a reporter you're not on the inside i've heard this a lot and i get that i'm well aware of my minimal status in this world but what i do know is that this is a contentious battle it's as contentious as it's been since 94 when we had a strike and the season was lost and that really did happen it's not just a folk tale i know it was 25 years ago but there is now this sense that we're in mid-February and we're not anywhere closer. And yes, there could be a lockout that is lifted while they still work on a deal. That is technically true. And it's possible that a deal could be done next week. It's all possible. But right now, Joe, I'm feeling, I try to be an optimistic guy, but I'm really struggling to get motivated and excited for 2022 because it still seems far off. And I think we're in for a delay. I do. I, I think we're in for a delay, too. I don't think it's going to be a massive delay. It's going to be just enough no. to be obnoxious, probably. Yes, which is good call. Typically, Major League Baseball style, it feels like. But I, I will say this, too. People forget how contentious all the negotiations were in 2020 during that shortened COVID season. I feel like nobody remembers that except me. And this went back and forth for <laughs> months, literally yes. months. I remember, I think it was Mike Clevenger getting a tattoo and talking about it. And I remember, <laughs> you know, Trevor Bauer playing video games and talking about it. And, and, and Blake like Snell? Were, yeah. Right, Blake <laughs> Snell, that's who it was. It wasn't Trevor Bauer. Uh, he was doing other things. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, God. God, that guy. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel like we're in this spot here where... I do think it will get done eventually, but it is fascinating that, you know, the the Major League Baseball players do have the best union agreement probably in the country, I would say. Not even in sports, probably in the country. And I understand where they're coming from. I understand where the owners are coming from. I understand that none of us care. We just want baseball at the end of the day. And I wish they would just realize that none of us care about what they want. We just want our game. Hopefully we'll get it sooner than later. Say I care a little bit. I, I know what you mean when you say that. I care about getting some of these changes done on the player size. For I'm going to raise your salary for this podcast to the new league minimum of six hundred and thirty thousand dollars. 
I think we'll be okay. You think we'll be Yay! all right? I'm in. Right. Let's do it. Done deal. I'm Close the books on it. salary to that too. 630 all the way around for everybody. Everybody minimum what a, what salary. What a chicken dinner. Everybody Woo! listening to this podcast. 630 minimum salary just for going hey! out and taking that one at that. All right. Before we get going with the outfield preview, I want to talk about our draft simulator because now is the perfect time for you to start your fantasy baseball preparation for the upcoming season. And you can start practicing your mock draft skills over at fantasypros.com slash draft wizard. The draft wizard is amazing. You could set any league style, any format, five by five, six by six, a hundred by a hundred. It doesn't matter. They've got it all. They've got points, leagues, dynasty, however you want to figure out what your league or leagues settings are. You can go ahead and tweak them, mock draft. You can make a pick, revert a pick. If you don't like the way your team's going, you can always back out all the way to the beginning and start over. You can run a whole bunch of simulations and all of that is all in our software over at fantasypros.com slash draft wizard. So go visit the draft wizard get a little smarter and get prepared for when baseball does come back because it will come back at some point in time. So again, go try that draft simulator again over at fantasypros.com slash draft wizard. And don't forget to, to join the conversation and join our chat over at fantasypros.com slash chat in our discord channel. The discord channel has grown to well over a thousand people already. It's unbelievable. What we've done uh, the baseball group, especially if you're a baseball fan, there's nobody better than my peanuts and cracker jacks. They are amazing people. I love them all. Uh, they are so much fun. They're so helpful too for all of your fantasy needs and it's free to join. But if you upgrade to a premium membership at fantasy pros, you get access to the stages with me and all of our other analysts where we have you on and we talk out your team problems, your trades, your lineup issues, your life issues, whatever you got, but you can only get access to that. If you join our discord at fantasypros.com chat. So Michael Govier, let's start with our must haves here and let's start with you Give me a name in the outfield that is a must-have for you that you are targeting in drafts. Could be an early name, could be a middle name. I don't care. I want Michael Govier's guys. Govier's guys. Wow, it's so weird you said that. That is something I hashtagged last year. Uh, sometimes you get on Twitter, you start doing things on the regular, and then all of a sudden you just stop doing them because you focus on something else. It's weird. It's a strange place. But I always love me some Teoscar Hernandez. That's who mm. I want. And I took a point. When you gave me my homework for this show <laughs> to make sure that it, because, you know, the top 10, top, like the top eight guys there, the first round guys, you, you want those people. Okay. And yes, one of them could be a bust. That's possible. I'm not saying that, but for me, my must haves is a guy like Tioscar, who is someone that you got to have because of his power, the power and the speed in the lineup. And I know there was a lot of talk about Dunedin and the park really like people say Vladdy after he left Dunedin wasn't the same guy last year. And, you know, some of the numbers make a decent case for that. But Teoscar Hernandez is a guy who doesn't matter where he plays. He crushes the ball. It's just stupid. His power numbers and how hard he hits the ball every single year is incredible. You know, it's elite exit velocity, especially Max EV. He hit some of the hardest balls in baseball last year. And this is a kind of guy who, sure, he might swing and miss on occasion too, but that's fine. That's baseball today. I'm not worried about it. The power-speed combo, and he's in the prime of his career. Give me Teoscar Hernandez right now because that lineup is talking runs, steals, homers, all five categories for you to feast upon. Yeah. Uh, look, Teoscar Hernandez is a player I've been on since 2017, and I did not get the performance I was hoping for when I was all in on them. And then I, I kept trying to go down this well over and over again, but 
Uh, the nice thing about Teoscar that you've seen too in these last few years is you've seen that batting average come up because he was kind of like a 250 ish yes. kind of guy somewhere in that range. You know, if you got lucky, 230 in 2019 in 125 games, but then in 2020 in the small sample, 290. And I think a lot of people were like, all right, well, that's not sustainable. And they hit 296 last year of 143 games. Uh, he had 32 home runs, 116 ribbies, 92 RBI, and 12 stolen bases on the year. Right now, he is expert consensus number 35 overall. And in terms of ADP, that's basically where he's going. He is going as the 13th outfielder on the board. And I'll tell you what, I think you could do a lot worse than Teoscar Hernandez because he's going to give you power, a little bit of speed. And I think that's what you're looking for. You know, when you're talking about the splits too, you look at last year against left-handed pitching, you want to take a guess what his OPS was? Just just throw a number out there. Ah, 1,200. 1,151. 1151, 372 batting average against left-handed pitching, crushed it, absolutely crushed it. And you're right, even you know, even on the road last year, he had 321 with a 609 slugging. So I think that to me, you mentioned about how you know when he made the move back, it was okay. I think it's the road numbers when it comes to Hernandez that make Big me call. real, yeah, feel solid about him. All right, for me, the first guy, Eloy Jimenez, my boy, my guy. I think everybody forgot because they get so enamored of Luis Robert as they should. I think everybody keeps talking about, you know, a lot of the other guys in the White Sox. Everybody knows how good Abreu is and everybody's talking about Tim oh, Anderson. Oh, not everybody knows that, just for the record. Mike Govier doesn't know that. He doesn't know that Jose that. Abreu is good? No. Yeah, great. He's not great. I heard you on the infield show. I disagreed with what you had to say about that. Jose Abreu is great everywhere all the time. I will not have <laughs> you slander him on this show. And God, tell me why he's not great. God, tell me why he's not great. <laughs> Oh. He is fading. He's getting older, and I am just not buying it now. He is consistent. You're right. The batting average and the runs batted in are always there every year. But the power to me is going to fade, and the fact that he's just on the downslope of thir- of his 30s, it's. Mm-hmm. I'd rather go to the different first baseman later. I think first base is something you could replace later. That's why I'm not a huge fan. The last time, and if you watch that show, you'll remember this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it out here. Again, this is why you watch on the YouTube channel on Fantasy Pros MLB channel and subscribe That's today. Right. The last time someone made a home run bet with me, they lost, and they had to buy me the Jose Altuve Game of Thrones bobblehead that I'm showing you right now here. Yes! So, if you want to make a Jose Abreu bet for home runs, I'm your Huckleberry, in the words of Val Kilmer and Tombstone. So Lock it yeah. in. Hell yeah. All let's right. do it By right the now. end of the show, let's come up with a number. You go find projections. In the meantime, I'm going to go back to my guy, Aloy Jimenez, because I think people have forgotten just how good this guy is. He got hurt before the season last year trying to play defense. It's not his strong suit. Hitting the baseball is. Can we go back to 2019 for a second before COVID? 31 home runs in his rookie year in 122 games. I mean, he hit 267 as a rookie. The guy is still super young. I don't understand. You look at the projections on pros right now. He's got potentially 30 home runs, 94 RBI. I mean, I understand he's not going to steal a lot of bases, but I'm talking about a guy that right now you can get at 74 overall and at at outfielder 21. And I'm always looking for guys that are going to outperform their draft slot. And I feel like Loya Man is the guy who's going to outperform his draft slot. He is closer to a top tier outfield one than he is an outfielder two. And he's going as an outfielder two, basically, in the draft right now. And I oh, we're almost like a borderline three. And that's nuts. Like, that is absolutely nuts to me. Give me Aloy Jimenez. That's who I want. End of story. No no contest about it. So do you have a Jose Abreu uh, number here that we can bet? Is there a prop number? What do we got? Yeah, 
I'm seeing uh, 29, everywhere from 29 to 31. So I'll take any of those numbers. Okay. So you're going to take the under on 29. Let's set it at 150 games to qualify. Is that fair? How many games did he play last year? Abreu, oh, let's see. Uh, I was just on that page. Here he is. He let's played 152 games, games last year, 152. Right. Look, I'm pretty and he good hit there, so. 30 home runs last year. Can he, he match that again? I'm going to go the over on the 29. If okay. he plays 150 games, you want to go under? I will do it. I am in. All right. All let's right. Commence is it a bobblehead bet? Is that the bet? Is it yes, a bobblehead bet? Bobblehead bet of the other person's choosing. There it is. Michael yeah. Govier getting it done. All right. Let's go to another one of Govier's guys here. Who's another must-have outfielder for you? Okay. Well, this is a guy that we all love. His playoff run a couple years ago. Every time he's in the playoffs, he's really, really good. Randy Rosarina of the Rays. I just can't get enough of him, and I'm not sure if I'm overly infatuated. <laughs> I'm willing to admit, sometimes I just get so caught up. You see the numbers, and then you look at a guy and the way he plays, and he's 26, and he's on a really good team. And I know the Rays platoon a lot, and, oh, he might not play enough. Uh, not with this guy. I mean, he was a big part of that deal with Matthew Liberator that went to over the Cardinals a couple of years ago, and which was a great trade for them, by the way. It was. And he, is, he just continues to do what he does. He played 141 games last year, so... I'm not worried about plate appearances and opportunities. 2020, and that was kind of underwhelming. We expected a little bit more from him. So if 2020 is underwhelming, 2022 means we get a full season. I'm expecting him to 25, 20 at least. I think 30, 20 could be in play. I really do because he just kind of – he had some lulls there during the regular season – up and down, up and down, but he's still a WCR plus guy when he's not even that great of 128, and that's not a that's not an elite number, but that's like his that's like his worst to me. So if there's better days than that, this is a guy I gotta have. Yeah, it's funny. Last year he was one of my stay away guys because I didn't have enough to go on. Me I too. Like the, I like some of the track record I saw in the minor leagues. You gotta love what you saw in the 2020 postseason, right? It was very encouraging. But you're like, you know, we've seen these flash in the pan guys before that have great runs, especially great runs in playoffs. And they just can't. And his ADP skyrocketed, right? Was that the problem? His ADP was was out of control. And you know what? In season long Roto, because he had a 2020 season because stolen bases were down. I think you could argue that he was probably worth that. Would you make that argument that he's actually worth in the end of the day what his draft stock was telling you he was? I think it was not far off at all. I think it's very reasonable to assess. Hey, here he was. He was a guy who gave you the numbers that. We're right around there. A top 60 pick? Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. And it, the lull you're talking about uh, was certainly in the middle of the year, too. Looking at the numbers here was June and July, where, you know, the slugging was down in the 400s, you know, the OPS. But then he had a torrid August. He had a great August where he had 362, really picked things up, finished strong in September to 823 OPS there, hit 275. But, you know, even despite the struggles, you know, he didn't, you know, he had four home runs every month or three home runs every month. He was still giving you a little power. But the the speed at the end, the, the eight stolen bases in September, do you think that you're going to see more consistency from the stolen bases from him? Or do you think that the 20 might be a little bit of a misnomer? Because when you have almost half your stolen bases in one month, to me, that's always a potential red flag. That's fair. Remember Ramon Laureano, how he started the year? I do. I do. <laughs> was, he had eight steals in like the first 10 days or something like that. It was insane. And... That happens with steals. Sometimes they happen in bunches. I know we can't all be Whit Merrifield. I understand that. But I'm not really worried about that. The mystery of why players run and don't run and who gives green lights and when they're allowed to run. Are they not feeling it? Is there something that's going on in a game script in that situation where it just doesn't make sense? It's a complicated game. And I think that just because he had a bunch of them in a 
month or so, not a reason for me to walk away. If anything, I'll take those steals, especially, you know, we're talking Roto here. I'm focusing in a Roto perspective. That's fine because I'm looking for totals. Speaking of my must-have guy next, it's Whit Merrifield. Look at you. You don't even know that. That was my next guy to talk about. Gosh, you're so good, Govier. You don't even realize it. I encourage everybody to go over to Baseball Reference and pull up Whit Merrifield's career. And you see a lot of the black italics where he's leading the league in things. You know, like when he led the league in hits in 18 and 19. He's led the league in at-bats three years in a row, okay? The dude plays. Not only does he play, last year he dropped 40 steals. It's the second time his career he's hit that number. He's had over 33 times. And, of course, obviously 2020, taking into account as a short season. But, I mean, last year, 97 runs scored for the Royals. The, the last real season before that, 105 runs scored. He had 184 hits, 42 doubles. I mean, I understand that he's probably not going to hit 15, 16 home runs again. Like, that probably was the maybe a little bit of the outlier. But if you did get 15 home runs on top of the 30-plus stolen bases, what an incredible value Whit Merrifield is. He is right now going as the 12th outfielder off the board. He is number 31 overall. And again, if you want to check these out, you go to fantasypros.com and you click on MLB and then you go see the 2022 draft ranks and you can see what I'm talking about and where these guys are and sort through in the ADP. But Whit Merrifield, to me, you know, because he doesn't hit a ton of home runs, he's just completely undervalued. But the guy gets on base. The guy scores runs. He's going to give you volume. He's going to give you quality volume. And I think that's what you're looking for at the end of the day. I mean, all we do is complain about these guys who don't play and all these guys who get hurt. And there's Whit Merrifield going out there. And if Whit Merrifield played for the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees or the White Sox or some high profile team, everybody would be falling over themselves to draft Whit Merrifield higher than this every single year. But he plays in Kansas City. So nobody cares except me. I care about you, Whit Merrifield. And maybe I'll need a Whit Merrifield bobblehead. I mean, it should probably be Jose Abreu, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what I choose. Okay, when I yeah, we'll see about that. <clears throat> By the way, I care. <laughs> I care. I care, Whit Merrifield. I care about the Midwest here. I'm a Midwesterner myself from Michigan. Woo! But do you agree with that sentiment that, you know, some of these guys who sometimes on the smaller market teams, even though, you know, as fantasy baseball analysts, everybody's, you know, studying the stats and all this stuff. That they just don't get enough, I think, general publicity to to really highlight what kind of talent they are. I think you'd have to be a, a really general kind of part-time player to not know what he does. I really, I know what you're saying, and I get that. I think it's more for fringy players, because anybody who's in the know knows what he does. Whit Merrifield, to me, last year, Joe, was the example of don't get stuck in your own bias and opinions. I was never a Whit Merrifield guy, quote-unquote. But last year, he was sitting there at the turn in 15-team leagues around pick 45, and I took him, and I did not regret it one bit. I understand there could be bias, but I, I think it's more for fringe players. Yeah, that's fair. That is definitely fair. All right, give me the third guy in your list, your must-have guy in the outfield. This might be the guy I love of all three. That's saying something, because I love Randy Rosarina. Just as a baseball player, I just love watching him play. But Brian Reynolds of the Moribund, can I say Moribund Pirates? Uh, they, uh, I guess. You could try. I, I, I know what it, I don't, if you ask me what the definition of Moribund is, I probably couldn't give it to you, but it seems to make sense. I'm just going to go with it. The thing is with the Pirates is they cleaned house. A lot of players left because they didn't do anything for them. It's so refreshing to see them get rid of some of the same old names there. But Brian Reynolds is the name. That keeps on giving every single season. And last year was his best. A full season of Brian Reynolds healthy. He could do it on the road. He does it at home. You look at the splits. He is a switch hitter, too. So you might say, oh, 20 of his home runs were 
as a left-hander, and you might be concerned about that, but the well, league is overwhelmingly right-handed, so I'm fine with that. And on the Look at these road splits versus home. 12 home runs, 12 home runs. 50 runs scored, 43 runs scored on the road. Sounds like Jose Abreu. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I will say, I'll say this. Jose Abreu probably has more power. I will admit that. You're looking for average with Brian Reynolds. He's a great guy for batting average. If you don't hit one of the key batting average guys in the first uh, 75 picks, you can wait on Brian Reynolds. I think his ADP last I checked is early 90s, like 92-ish roughly maybe, around 100. And you can get him at the end of the first Hundred there. This is a guy you should get because of his consistency, and he's only going to get better too. He's twenty-seven. He is outfielder twenty-nine right now, pick number ninety-seven in consensus ADP at Fantasy Pros, and this is for a player. Now, just just listen to the stats. Like, forget the name. Ninety-three runs scored, ninety RBI, five steals, twenty-four home runs, and a three hundred two batting average. There's no way if I just said where would you value those stats that you would say, oh, he's somebody probably around a hundred overall. No way. But once again, it's the Pirates. It's that negative connotation about somehow the offense isn't very good. They're you know what? I see it now. Runs. I see it. I see it you now. See it now. You're you right. see what I'm talking about. You're right. If I just okay. take away the name and you just talk about the stats, in terms of relative position value for Brian Reynolds, Brian Reynolds stacks up there with some of these top guys. I mean, he is more like a, you know, right at the fringe of that outfield one, like top tier out, especially in Roto Leagues, where yeah. we're talking about a guy who can give you stolen bases, a guy who can score runs for you. Now, I understand people might believe that maybe the power might take a little dip, but at the same time, man, I'm with you 100%. I saw this name when you said it to me, and I said, thank goodness, now I won't have to match him on here because he's already one of my guys. Michael's already got him. Uh, For me, the third name on my list is Kyle Tucker, and I was kind of... I was in the wait and see. I was in the show me again. I'm a show me guy. I'm not as bad as Dan Harris used to be where a guy can be an all-star for five years. And then Dan Harris would go, "Eh, I'm still not sold. He would. I'm not that guy, but I am. I do need to see it at the major league level for a longer period of time before I'm really going to go over the top investing in a player. It's what held me back in Rosa Reina. It's what's going to hold me back here over on Kyle Tucker. I saw it last year. I also saw it in a, period of time where Alex Bregman really wasn't Alex Bregman. And, you know, they, they had a, the Astros had a, a wacky season. I think there's an opportunity there for a hundred, 130 home run season. Like I, I think that if everything breaks right, the potential is there. And right now, Kyle Tucker, look, it's expensive. He's the seventh outfielder. He's 14 overall. But when you're at the turn there and you're looking for a guy that gives you, I think that combination of stats that you want um and again last year too he gave you the batting average he was in the high 290s there in batting average uh so in terms of five by five and he gives you the 14 steals and i think when you're trying to start off a draft at the you know at the turn you're looking for players that are going to give you everything especially in those five active outfielder formats which is what a lot of people play so kyle tucker is a guy that's going to give you power give you speed give you batting average he's going to give you all five categories and I think at his age, you expect him to at least, you know, be around for 145, 155 games, somewhere in that range. So to me, he's a guy that I think I'm going to lock in because I do believe after that, it gets dicey. You start to talk about some other players that have either done it once, some players that are starting to age, who have maybe bigger names, you know, play for bigger teams like the Yankees, the Giancarlo Stantons of the world, you know, guys like, you know, start to talk about Chris Bryant or Byron Buxton, you know, who... Yes, we can all do this every single year. We talk about how good Byron Buxton can be. If Byron Buxton had one season like Kyle Tucker had last year, uh, we could talk about him all day. 
but he still hasn't, so I'm not going to. So, those are the must-haves. Teoscar Hernandez, Randy Rosarena, Brian Reynolds. And then for me, Aloy Jimenez, Whit Merrifield, and Kyle Tucker. Let's talk about busts. Who is the first bust you want to talk about, Michael Govier, that you're worried about <laughs> in 2022? That's so odd. It says Kyle Tucker on my <laughs> list. But is that right? Uh, it is. And I, want, and I think our audience would love to hear a different take about it. Look, this is going to be unpopular because recency bias makes you very clearly understand that he had an excellent MLB season. And the power-speed combos, what everybody wants. We all love it. We can't get enough of it. Hell, why wouldn't I want some of it? 14 steals is nice to go along with 30 home run season. And the batting average of around 300 is what really popped to me, too. So how could I really not go on Kyle Tucker? And the reason I put him as a bust, again, these are about definitions. Mm -hmm. To me, it's where he's being taken. It's not that Kyle Tucker sucks or that he's not somebody no. I want on my fantasy team. Yeah, not at all. It's just that I don't want to take him at this range. I need locks. I don't. You win the drafts most of the time when you're in the middle and the later parts of your drafts. The early parts, we should all be taking players that we can rely on and not have a bust. And I think Kyle Tucker is in for a reality check here based on the, I know the swing has been debated a lot and there's been fixes and adjustments that he's made. And some people say there was an article even that he has the swing of Ted Williams for crying out oh loud, which God. is, you know, a lot of people do stupid things like, that. I don't know what, I don't know why they do, but I swing of Ted Williams. <laughs> I, hey, they wrote an article about it in New York. So I'm blaming your people over there. All I, I know is that <laughs> I'm going to tell you the one thing about it is, I see some similarities with Cody Bellinger. And yes, Cody Bellinger is a former MVP who also got hurt. And some of the injuries may have really fed into what happened to him, especially over the last year and a half. But to me, I'm worried about the swing and I'm worried about the batting average regression. I know he could get he could get on base and still steal bags. That's cool. But it's still not enough steals for me to take him this high. You put all of those little things together, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, the swing, the numbers, the regression, and I just don't want to go there with him right now. It's not that he's bad. I just don't want to go no, there. I understand. Well, you can also make the argument, too, that, you know, in, especially in the uh, leagues where you play three outfielders, that taking Kyle Tucker, like NFBC is going as 12 overall right now, <sighs> that you could wait and you could take a Castellanos. You could take a Rosarena, who we just talked about, you know, Teoscar Hernandez, who's going a round or two later, potentially, depending on the size of your league. So I understand that argument as well, that you could find those other guys. I do believe in Tucker. I do believe in the Astros still because, you know, I know a lot of people hate the Astros, but it doesn't mean they're going away. A lot of people hate the Yankees, too. But guess what? I was <laughs> not going anywhere. All right. My first bust is a sad one because I like the player. I really do. Aww. He's 32 years old. He is a, seems like a heck of a guy. I love this team. I love this <laughs> offense. We talk about buying into good offenses. <laughs> He's a heck of a guy. He should run for office someday. No, it's George Springer. He's going at outfield 15, and he's going at number 51 overall right now. And my problem with George Springer is the same problem we've always had. And you want to talk about a guy on the other side now, like 32, 33 years old. This is the time where you're supposed to start breaking down, like you're talking about Abreu. Well, maybe this is the time it starts to happen. This guy, you know, God bless George Springer. He's a great player. When he plays, when he's on the field, he's fantastic. But we keep getting incomplete seasons from him over and over. And then last year was very frustrating too. You know, he comes into the Blue Jays and we all know this high expectations, the big contract, and he was a good player, you know, but at the end of the day, if you're going to give me 75 games and 20 home runs and 264 batting average, to me, I can't invest in that where he's going. 
I guess that's my problem with it. And and I think he's too volatile of an investment because I have so many different options where I can go a couple rounds later and get Fran Mule Reyes, who could, in terms of volume statistics in a season-long roto, give me more power, more RBIs because of counting sets because he's just going to play more potentially. And I feel like we get so wrapped up in the potential of George Springer every single season and we always come to the same realization, which is yep. staying on the field has just been something that's very difficult for him. If George Springer gets a discount in a, in a salary cap draft, I'm in. But right now, in terms of ADP, we're talking about a Rosarena, right? We talk about some of these other players. Cedric Mullins is certainly going to give you more stolen bases. Teoscar Hernandez. I feel better about taking his teammate Teoscar Hernandez than I do about Springer. And they're going basically like, a, you know, right in terms of outfielder 13 and 15. I mean, it's very close right now. What are your thoughts on Springer? Boy, Joe, we are really in sync because this was the name I took off of my bus oh, was list. It, really? it was on okay. the list. You know, it was locked in. And I just thought, you know what? I actually thought you might take him because he does have this injury history, which is just constantly nagging and taking him down a peg or two from where he should be with his output at the end of the year. So this was definitely somebody I had, and I just decided to go in a different direction at the last second. And I don't think we're getting enough of a discount on him. I think that's the problem. All right. Give me another bust exactly. for you. Another guy you think might be too big for his britches. You want to take down a peg. Ooh, I love taking people down a peg. There's no doubt about it. You know, George Springer, by the way, remember he used to steal bases? Wow, that was awesome. Like a lot. He was supposed to be like a 30-30 guy when he came out of Connecticut. Wild times. Mm-hmm. But as far as another bust on my end, I would like to submit a Yankee. I love riffing on the Yankees because, you know, I'm a Detroiter, and that's what we do. We actually own the Yankees in the last 20 years in the playoffs. If you look at, just check the record books, folks. Hey, you can at me all you want on Twitter at MJ Govier. I'm ready to hear it because it's just the truth. Kenny Rogers dominated you guys in 06, and it was awesome. I was going to say, it's, Aaron uh, Judge, it's been though. a while since you've been in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm reaching. I'm reaching. Yes, I am reaching terribly. Aaron Judge is the guy. And you might think this is easy. Oh, this is fodder. Aaron Judge. It's easy to say he'll get hurt again. And he just can't be on the field enough. And the Yankees have always just had all these injury issues again and again and again and again. And that's why I'm going to avoid him. And we brought up Teoscar too many times. But again, there's another guy I'd rather have. I'd rather have Teoscar Hernandez than Aaron Judge. There's other guys I'd rather have later in the draft, especially an outfield for me in the first 150 in particular. And this is real simple. It's just games played, opportunities. How consistent can he be? He's never able to always be on the field enough. Last year he was. But you he want was. me to bet on that again as he's 29 <laughs> going on 30 and that massive frame? And I know Chris Towers, don't at me either because Chris Towers loves to talk about the fact that, hey, big guys being injured is kind of a myth. But it's been proven otherwise based well, on my the muscle-bound guys too. But I've got two words for you when it comes to yes. Aaron Judge. Hot yoga because he's been doing the yoga last year stopped lifting Uh-oh. as much and he played 148 games and you can say what you will is it a coincidence i don't know but i think that some of these guys like the stands of the world who got so muscle bound i just think it's a bad transfer for baseball i really do i always have it's not that you can't be in good shape tom brady's stuff. taught us a lot yes tom brady's taught us a lot. you want to talk about durability go Thank eat you. your avocado ice cream and and look like tom brady but you know well, but third, flexibility seriously you know it is being who you are as opposed to being a muscle bound dude well i i think you can be you know flexible and strong at the same time and i think that aaron judge last year was a player that i bought in on everywhere because it was getting a huge discount and now i feel like the rubbers met the road because now it's like all right he's coming off a 40 home run season he is a top, you know, he's going 28th overall uh, outfielder 11. 
in NFBC, you know, what's funny is he's actually going later in NFBC. He's going at 37 as opposed to the consensus mm. 28 right now, which that's very yeah. interesting because NFBC, you know, you get a lot of the sharps who are playing in there. What do you make of that True. disparity? In a, should that be something the casual fans or even the really into fantasy baseball fans should pay attention to that? There's still a whole group of people in NFBC that refuse to pay the premium on Aaron Judge. Do you think that that's oh, there's something to that? Well, this is something I asked a lot when I first got into the big-time NFBC. Last year, I played the main event for the first time. You know, it's a huge $1,700 entry fee. Ridiculous. And I'm not a wealthy man, but I, I wanted to go up against the best, supposedly. Sure, right? And they told me that it's not always the case. It's just people who have money. So, yes, mm -hmm. there are sharps, and the, some of the best in the business absolutely play in NFBC. Mm -hmm. So I think you should take about a six. You know, it's like you say when you talked about your head-to-head -head and your whole hybrid that you have now with your points. You oh, weight things, hybrid. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's genius. I love it. I, as a head-to-head, -head, I grew up in head-to-head, -head, and I love hearing that you kind of stuff. You want in the and hybrid? Wish, You're in the hybrid, Govier. I, <laughs> Let's yeah! do it. We should have Woo! we should have a we should do an online live stream of all of us in some giant Zoom doing a hybrid draft and we'll play it out. I know a, yes. I know the site that can host it. I think we should totally do this. I'm I'm totally in. Hell yes, dude, Joe, I beer. would love that. It's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, all right, my home league. Uh, shout out to BYB. They're my home league. They're good people, but they're so tight. You know, they they're not willing to grow. You talk about, hey, we want to move forward, we want to progress, and we want to learn more and adapt to that knowledge, right? But we don't do that in my home league, and it drives me nuts. Yeah, well, look, I think that there's there's always a room and a space where we could ask ourselves the question: Is this the best we can do, or can we enhance our experience? It's like Superflex. For years, I was the guy in front of the Superflex movement. For years, writing dissertations about it, and now what is it? It's kind of the standard, and it's and it's yeah. funny to me. But you know, I think it's good to poke the bear. It's good to ask the questions, and and find the kind of fantasy that you're excited about the draft and excited about playing. And, and I've seen a lot of my friends over the years who are diehard baseball fans drop out of fantasy baseball because it got too dense for them. And some of the things and, and the style is kind of, you know, beat for them. And this really rejuvenated them. This, this hybrid format that we've created here and we've been playing for the last five, six years. And, it's been fantastic. We have great success with it. So I hope people start to look at it more. All right. For me, number two on my list is another big name, Christian Yelich. Yeah, I just, I can't do this anymore. 25 overall in terms of where he is in outfield ranking, 86th overall in uh, players being taken right now. In NFBC, he's at 102, which is another disparity. I'm just throwing that out there. I was a guy who always believed in Christian Yelich was a good player. I never believed that he was this player that when he got to Milwaukee, he became. And I ate crow on the second year where he was just MVP and amazing. Like, I just, I ha you have, sometimes you're just wrong about stuff. Yeah. But what we've seen in 2020 and in 2021, it's not even close to the same player. And I understand injuries had a big to do with it. But at a certain point, when do we stop saying, oh, he's a value, he's a risk reward, and start saying he's a liability? no matter where you take him, because it's a waste of a draft pick potentially. And I know that sounds pretty harsh, but I'm talking about Christian Yelich going in the same territory. He's going ahead right now in expert consensus right now. And in terms of consensus ADP, he's ahead of Stanton. He's instead of ahead of Brian Reynolds. He's ahead of Winker, uh, guys like Mitch Hanniger coming off a great season. So I'll ask you this question. Would you rather have Brian Reynolds 
right? Going outfielder 29, or would you rather have Christian Yelich at 25? I got to be honest with you. I think Reynolds is the name I'd rather have. Uh, it's not even a debate for me, Joe. Yeah, I mean, you know I came out for Reynolds here, and you like him too. And well, Yelich again was another guy. And then putting him against a name like Christian Yelich that people think is going to be a league winner, that can be a tough sell for people. You know, I watched the 2007 Jim Carrey vehicle last night called Yes Man, and I'm a no man when it comes to this man because he's – He's toast. Back in, this is the reason I don't like Alex Verdugo either. Back injuries that are consistently a problem, they scare me. And I was a huge Alex Verdugo fan coming into the last two years, but he turned me off because he can't consistently give you the production you need. And the same thing for Yelich. I don't want anything to do with Yelich. It's just a name. I don't need it. Just a name. Give me another name that you think is going to be a bust in the outfield. Well, here's just a name, true, but, you know, there's more to a human than their name. They have feelings and emotions, and, you know, they have family, so let's not forget. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there might be some automatons out there. It's true. Uh, Avisail Garcia. Now, I I thought maybe, am I going too deep for a bus? Because at a certain point, I mean, a, I guess if you hey, I got a guy who's ADP 280 who's a bust. That's not a bust. I mean, you're just taking flyers at that point, right? Mm-hmm. But. In this point of the draft with Avisale, I think it's okay to still apply this moniker to him because he is somebody that people are going to expect big results. And he's going ADP 167 on NFBC.com since January 1st, okay? Now, that's right on the edge there. I'd say, you know, after 200, there's no more busts allowed in my world. I'm a Tigers guy. I live in Detroit. Avisale Garcia grew. He came up here. And then he's moved around. He's been in the league now for 10 years. So he's yeah, not I know. a baby. Right? Isn't that weird? Yeah, he's 30 years. years old now. And he's, a, he's a big dude. He's 6'4", 250. And last year was a career high in home numbers. Home numbers. Home run numbers. 29 homers. That's exciting. But I'm not buying it. He, when you get a guy, a deal like this that the Marlins signed him to, and I'm not saying the Marlins don't know what they're doing. They definitely know what they're doing with pitching. But they might not know what they're doing when it comes to hitters. Because they got too many as it is, and there's a lot of them that I don't trust. And when you just look at what he's done in his career, this seems like an outlier. Just go look at the stats. I won't reel all of them off for you guys. You can go look up baseball reference on your own time. But trust me, this is not a guy that you want to rely on as your third outfielder, your fourth or fifth outfielder either. You know, it's funny about Garcia. When he went to Milwaukee, I was like, okay, yeah, um, I'm in on anybody in Milwaukee. Willie Adams when he went there, I tried to buy everywhere. I, I love Everybody who goes to Milwaukee, I'm in. Because that's different. It is. It's a, it is a good power park. It's been a very underrated power park for many years. People talk about Philadelphia. They'll talk about, you know, cores. They'll talk about this. People hardly ever talk about Milwaukee. But you look at the stats. Milwaukee is one of those places. Now, granted, in the years past, it was because some of the Milwaukee pitching certainly aided those numbers a little bit. And so a little bit, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. But I know, you know, f- this transition now into Miami you know, I, I I do see what you're saying, and I think you make a good point. Is even though this guy's a value, you can't just take an ink out and and say, oh yeah, he's going to be 30 home runs again, just like he was last year, because it's a totally does different set of circumstances, different lineup, different ballpark factor. So yeah, I, I think this is a guy that you know we always thought would hit for more power because he was a bigger guy. You know, I always thought oh, Lorenzo yeah. Cain would hit for more power. There's certain guys that just look like you're like this guy should hit 30 home runs, and then they just they're not that guy. It's something in their swing, <laughs> something in their approach, whatever it is, you know, just because they look the part doesn't mean they always end up becoming that kind of slugger. And I agree. I think there's a false sense of security there where people are going to get too caught up into what he did last year 
and then buy and think, oh, I'm getting a tremendous value there. But at the end of the day, it might not be quite as good as you think. So I actually like that one, my friend. That's a good 20 one. homers twice in his career, at least right. 20 home runs outside of last year. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's it. All right. Ryan Mountcastle is the last bust for me. And this one hurts, too, because I like Ryan Mountcastle. Not as much as Mike Mayer likes Ryan Mountcastle. He loves Ryan Mountcastle. But still, he's going right now at number 33 in terms of outfielders, 111 overall. And it's really it's the ballpark change. It's it's one of those things. Now there's an unknown factor. And I don't like to invest in things that I don't know. We've already established that on the program here today. So because I don't know that and because there's uncertainty, you know, five feet, 10 feet. okay, 30 feet. That sounds like a lot to me. <laughs> like That seems like a huge adjustment to the ballpark. And a lot of people that are very smart that I've had on the show, Steve Gardner kind of spooked me about it. Justin Mason kind of spooked me about it. Hall of Famer, Steve Gardner. And I always listen <laughs> when Steve talks. And I got to tell you, like, it's one of these things where I don't know if people should be making the um, the investment in Ryan Mountcastle as easily as they are currently still. I think there could be a really big fallout there, and it is still Baltimore. It is still a team in transition. I love Cedric Mullins. You know, I, I love Trey Mancini. I love some of the talent they have, but at the same time, what is the adjustment to this ballpark really going to do? And I know theoretically we've already seen the numbers and they're scary. I think it might be better than that. But the problem is right now, I've got lots of choices. I like the dual eligibility. That's always something, too, that I I would take into consideration. But I think at this current time, when you're trying to look at some of these other guys with that, the Jared Walshes of the world I'd rather invest in right now than Mountcastle. Dual eligibility guy. One's going at 33, uh, outfielder 33. Uh, the other's going outfielder 37. And I'll take Jared Walsh at 37 every day. So those are the busts. <clears throat> Kyle Tucker, apparently Aaron judge, Avisel Garcia for Michael Govier, George Springer, Christian Yelich and Ryan Mountcastle for me. Let's talk about the late sleepers, the guys you can get late in drafts that you think are steals. Who's a name out there that you got your eye on as the draft kind of goes on and on and on. It just goes on, especially if you're in a four hour slow draft, man, that just goes on forever. I'm also kind of known, unfortunately, the guy who takes too long with his picks. I'm that guy. People don't like me. They as long really as you're not like the guy me. at the turn who takes eight hours to make both picks. <laughs> that is the worst uh, human. That human being uh, I might be in should trouble. be, you know, humiliated in a public forum. Because it's one thing if you want to take all your four hours to make the two picks because you're at the turn. You could get more time. Okay, fine. But you want to soak out all four hours for one and all four for another. You're just being a jerk. You're being a jerk, <laughs> and I'm the one going to tell you to your face you're being a jerk for doing that. So I will tell you, yeah, I take four hours, and I get auto-picked on the second one. That's usually me. So, <laughs> yes. so I'm not that guy. All right. Uh, my guy here is Tyler Naquin. Good old Tyler Naquin. Good player. Now, Good player. A solid bat. He's 30 years old right now, and the Reds have made some adjustments here. You know, Castellanos, do you think Castellanos coming back to the Reds? I don't think he is. Man, I don't think he is. I think somebody else is going to pluck him off there, but I like Castellanos. But the funny thing is, Naquin was a player liked all the way back in Cleveland when he was a minor league player. Mm-hmm. I had shares of him in Dynasty Leagues because I saw him play in the minor leagues, and I was like, this kid's a really good player, and they just really never gave him a chance. And I think the one year they did, he got hurt, and it just never worked out for him. The same thing happened with Jesus Aguilar. It was like, this is a good player, and they just never oh, gave wow. him a chance. And the Cleveland system just was famous for not committing to position players. <laughs> so, yes. you know, uh, there's another guy I know you're going to talk about later, too. That's <laughs> another guy you can <laughs> make that argument for. But let's talk more about Naquin instead. Yeah, I just think this is a guy who, when he gets the opportunities, he has the talent to deliver. Now, uh, you know, outside of his really elite first season, really, 
what he had the 133 WRC plus. So that was exciting. That's why Joe was so excited in his dynasty league at the time. He's never been able to replicate that over a full season, but he can replicate that in bursts. And when we're talking late round flyers here, people that you're not really taking much of a risk on, but you could get a solid return. This is that kind of guy. He's going to start. He's going to play in the outfield for the Reds. I don't see uh, if Castiel if Castellanos comes back, it will be sure. a slight problem. But we have yeah, a DH yeah. now too. So uh, I was just going to say, but the DH maybe that opens up. You know, I do feel like you're going to get more rotations early on in the National League, right? You think that's going to be like a rotating spot for most teams? Hmm. Yeah, right? I do. I think they're going to play feel it out because it'll be yeah. new to some of them. But then again, there's some all kinds of AL people who've had experience with it in spring training. So. There's interleague play every day now. I'm consistently excited about the fact that Naquin could really deliver you a 25 homer, you know, like 270, and, and give you some, a few steals here and there, too. He's just a kind of player that you want to take a shot on, and it won't cost you anything. With the DH coming to the National League, I think it's a lock that Freddie Freeman goes back to Atlanta, too. I think that's the one thing Atlanta was waiting on to find out, because huh. to me, it's that similar situation. Like, how if you're the Cardinals, how do you let Pujols go? And I think the answer was they looked at the back end of his career and they went, what are we going to do with him? He's not going to be able to play the field. And they were right. They were right. They were. It was the right decision. Freddie Freeman is the Braves. If Freddie Freeman can DH towards the end of his career when he's in his late 30s, that to me is what everyone wants to know. Why isn't Freddie Freeman signed anywhere? Why didn't he sign with Atlanta yet? I think Atlanta just wanted to get that in writing first before they started committing two hundred and you know, forgot four. So you think it was them? Like he's down, ready to rock, but they're like, "Well, we want to wait and see." You think? That's I think I think it's a mutual understanding. Okay, I honestly do. And and if he doesn't go back to Atlanta, I think it's a tragedy for baseball. Like he is the Atlanta Braves, and he's been he's such a good player. He's such a great guy. Like yep. you want those guys to stick there and play their whole careers. And and the reason the Cardinals had to make that hard decision was because the, the DH was not an option for uh, how can you give a guy a 10-year contract without a DH? And I think that's going to be oh, good right. for the, the movement of baseball players in the future because you're going to get more of this now. In the National League, you would see a lot of guys who, oh, I'm getting older, I'm going to go to the AL because I know I can kind of float the last three years of my career as a DH-only kind of guy and yeah, I can still true. swing the bat. But you know what? That was never an option for these National League teams. So I think it'll be nice from the retention standpoint. You might get Freddie Freeman coming back if he doesn't resign there. That's gonna be, it's gonna be sad. And I'm a Don't Mets fan. I'm a Mets. Oh fan. wow! Even you more know? impressive. Well, because I, I, you know, try to keep it real. Freddie Freeman and the Braves is good for baseball. All right, another guy I think is good for baseball is Mike Yastrzemski. There's a legacy guy for Oh him. boy. Where, why did he fall off the map here in terms of ADP? Can you explain this to me? I don't understand this. Do you understand? Well, I can tell you exactly what happened. He, last year, I traded for him in my home league, and I was really excited about it. Like, I thought I could keep him. We have keepers, eight keepers. Mm -hmm. And I thought Mr. Mike Stremski would be one of those guys. But he, he got hurt, and then he, he kind of slipped off in the second half. And it was just not as – he didn't have that clutch performance that he showed in burst the previous – short right. year and then in the first half of the season so i think people just like myself said this guy's not somebody i want to take a ride around on another trip with again i don't know man i'm looking right now he's player 248 off the board it's pretty deep <laughs> like that's 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 in a place where you know you're starting to talk yeah. about like I, I i'm looking at and and i was i'm always a little skeptical of the late bloomer guys who show up with not a great minor league track record but every that's now, fair like, you know it, Look, to a certain extent, Whit Merrifield was that guy. Like, Whit Merrifield was not special in the minor leagues. They made an adjustment to him, and he just never regressed. And I remember, Michael, I had that kid everywhere. I picked him up off the waiver wire, 
because I was like, well, let's see what this Whit Merrifield guy is. And I was so afraid. I was like, all I want to do is like, oh my God, should I trade this guy? Should I trade this guy? Like, when is this going to end? And it's never, <laughs> en- it's like six years ago and it's never ended for Whit Merrifield. He's still been so It's good. right. It's never ended. But I have a trying- theory though. There's What's a theory, the theory real quick. What's that? So you're talking about the local small market teams that kind of, mm-hmm. you just dismiss players like Wit mm-hmm. or Brian Reynolds. I have this, there's these guys in baseball. They just, they're boring or they just seem bland. They kind of suck the life out of you for yeah. some reason. It's really weird. It's like, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. Even though they could give you very reliable statistical outputs, they just have this blase feeling to them. And then we ignore them. It's it's ridiculous and totally absurd. <laughs> but like anti-Yasio Puig. Like Yasio yes, Puig exactly. is fun to watch. He Fire. Was, the, yeah. the, we just have the FTW factor. Fun to watch. <laughs> you know, but... I don't know what he's going to do or if he's ever going to play, you know, but yeah, Mike Yastrzemski is the opposite of fun to watch. You're hundred percent right. He is boring and that's okay. I pick two fifty If I can get somebody boring on my roster in the outfield that I think could give me, you know, some decent power numbers. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, look, boring still in 139 games that we're all complaining about. He's still at 25 home runs, still scored 75 runs, had a 71 RB high threw in four steals. I know the batting average was 224, but I think that's, you know, an anomaly. I don't think he's the 297 hitter he was in 2020 in that short period. And I don't think he's a 224 guy. If he gives me 255 and the 25 bombs that pick 250, I'm good with that. I'm at peace with that, Michael. All right, let's go to the next late sleeper you got on your board. It's somebody from The Guardians. Oh, The Guardians. Yes. That's Bradley Zimmer. I'm that guy. I'm always in love with Bradley Zimmer and I will never, ever fall out of love. I, I'm like a, uh, you know, he's off at war. It's wartime and I'm his letters, wife. Man. Yes, we're writing letters. I waited two long years for his shoulder to heal and get back to basics. And you know what? Last year, I liked what I saw. I had him on a few teams. Very serviceable. He showed all of the talents in yeah, a little burst here and there, little points of the season with the speed, the power. And most importantly, I feel the health. He didn't have a major injury last year. He was there for them when they needed him for the most part. So to me, this is a guy who still is about to unleash the best of what he has to offer to you in 2022. Bradley Zimmer, I love it all day long. I don't think there's there's no risk again. It's worth it. And he could give you a big, big return. He might be the definition of post-type sleeper. Like he's one of those guys. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, because you see the you see the glimpses of talent. You know, it's just they're they're still searching for Grady Sizemore all these years later. Like they're still looking for that <laughs> oh, that guy. Poor Grady. Like, and he kind of has that skill set. You know, like he could have been that guy. I don't know if he's ever he going does. to grow into that. He but, does. You know, Zimmer is one of these people that I think he's been around so long. People have written him off and i think he's too young to write off i agree uh ramiel tapia is another late sleeper of mine number 73 <gasps> in terms of what about connor joe what about uh, connor, connor joe? joe connor joe 250 is uh the overall pick there for ramiel tapia I, I still gonna go with ramiel tapia to give me a little bit of stolen bases playing in colorado we'll see about the connor joe but again dh right so you have more options so the DH Thank changes you. the dynamic of a lot of situations. It changes the value of guys on like the Dodgers, like the Turners of the world and Chris Taylor's of the world. Cause it's just more at bats now for everybody. So the DH in those national league teams, really everyone has to reevaluate the value of some of these players that you're worried about, maybe losing playing time or not. I think it's a whole different animal. Give me another mm-hmm. late sleeper on your list. By the way, I took Tapia in the Battle of the Podcast draft that I did a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and people were, oh, no, Connor Joe's the guy. You're wrong. You you don't know what you're doing. So I'm with you, Joe, all the way on that. Yeah, I mean, look, and it's not that there's no room for Connor Joe, but let's be honest. If if we got another, <laughs> another spot here in the lineup, 
right? Um, and I'm thinking about who I want in the outfield. I probably want Tapia out there in the outfield, <laughs> especially in Coors, which is a pretty damn big outfield last time I checked. I've heard good things about Coors. Yeah, I hear positive things about There's hitting. Positive things. Positive, but, yeah. You know, but <laughs> I don't think people realize until you're there and you see it how huge that outfield is. I mean, it, I, I worked there. Do you know that? I worked no, there. No, I did so not. I don't, yeah, I used to be you were, 2011. Were you shortstop or were you the many uh, second basements they've had over the years? <laughs> yeah, I, it was either. I, I think I started in left field or I may have uh-huh. been the supervisor working at a concession stand. But either way, I did work at Coors Field. Beautiful. This was back in the days of cargo. He used to hit massive fly ball home runs in batting practice. Todd Helton had a burger shack. It was a different time at Coors, but a beautiful place. Time. Car- cargo. Was. And oh, never, cargo. ever, ever be the guy who has to pull the keg at the end of the seventh inning because those people in line are already drunk and they're going to be pissed. They yeah, were pissed. And it, it was wild. Ooh, that was scary. That was a tough uh, it was a tough gig, and I survived it. Here I am. So as far as my final choice here, I'm going with Chaz McCormick, the eyeglass-wearing, kind of looks like a nerd, frankly. To me, a nerd is a term of endearment, so I love the, I love nerds. You know, we're all nerds at heart I'm when we play fantasy it's baseball. Fine. There you go. There you go. Some of us just look different than others, but this guy, he's classic. He just looks like straight out of an 80s movie. It's funny mm-hmm. to me. He also looks very astute and organized, but when he's at the plate, he's even more impressive because he can give you a little pop. He could also steal some bags. And with the departure of Miles Straw, it's great news for him. This is a big, big, big opportunity for him to cash in. And they like him, and he's going to play. As far as I can tell, I don't see any reason why he doesn't play a lot. And if you like that Astros lineup, then you're going to love Chaz McCormick. He's uh, 452 ADP right now on NFBC. So you're not even taking any type of risk whatsoever. And you could get yourself a guy who could be... I really think that, you know, 15 and 25 steals, 15 homers, 25 steals, guy could hit 270, 280. I really think that's in the cards. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with my last guy here as a late sleeper, and the self-loathing Met fan in me is going to come out for a second because I really struggled with this. I really want to believe finally. You want to take a guess who the name is? Go ahead. Is it Jeff McNeil? No, it is not Jeff McNeil. It is Brandon Nimmo. Uh, number oh! 86 off the outfielder charts and 296 overall, especially in the OBP leagues. He's a good offensive player. He just needs to play baseball. <laughs> like he, just needs to, he needs to be healthy. He needs to be left alone and he needs to hit at the top of the order. If those three things happen. And once again, now that we have a now that you have the DH, maybe Connor plays DH, maybe Dominic Smith plays DH. I don't know. Maybe they move Jeff McNeil. I don't know. They've talked about that a lot this off season, potentially. In OBP leagues, I'm still going to be a jerk and take him again and probably be pissed off that I did. But, you know, it's very difficult because when he's on the field, the quality level you're getting statistically out of this guy, it's very good. The problem is every year he just misses too much time. And I think that's the thing we always we always keep struggling. But we talk about guys who are free squares, right? 296 overall. I mean, we're talking about, you know, these guys you could just basically have at your will. And last year in 95 games, the guy did hit eight home runs. He did steal five bags. I don't like to extrapolate. It's a very dangerous game. But he's hit for a high average over his last 154 games. In fact, if you combine 2020 and 2021, you could basically get an entire season of Brandon Nimmo. And it looks something like 85 runs scored, 16 home runs, six steals, and a 285 batting average. My God, that's a really good player at that range. Like, that is a tremendous value. It's all about the ABs and if he can find them and get them consistently. All right, let's switch gears here to salary cap values. I know we're coming towards the end of the show. So I'm going to give everybody my three guys I think are good values. First guy for me, Fran Mill Reyes, $18 player right now. I love the power. 
I love the nickname, the Franimal. It's a great nickname. We need better nicknames like the Franimal in baseball. I want to bring good nicknames back. Everybody knows it's like a personal cause of mine. But this is a dude that, you know, you could pay for some of these sluggers who are going to cost you 30-something dollars. But at the end of the day, Franimal might give you less batting average, but he's probably going to give you close to the same power numbers. And I think you'll take that and find your batting average elsewhere. Mitch Hanniger... You know, for a guy coming off a near 40 home run season, he's certainly not getting that kind of respect. Mitch Hanniger was a good hitter for the Arizona Diamondbacks, another player that just injuries just kept crushing him and crushing him. And the worst, grossest, terrible, oh my God, I felt so bad for him injury a couple years ago. Oh, God. The, the yeah. injury that should not be named. Yes. <laughs> 16 bucks right now. That's the going rate for Mitch Hanniger is 16 bucks. You want to give me a 40 home run potential guy? And if you say he's not a 40 home run guy, okay. You want to give me a 30 home run potential guy for 16 bucks? I'll take it. The Mariners prove that they're better than everyone thought they were last year. And the last guy is a favorite of Michael Govier's Alex Verdugo for nine bucks. Again, everyone in their place. And if you're going to give me Verdugo for nine bucks as a single digit player, I'm going to take the opportunity and take a shot on him. Very different than trying to pay $30 for Christian Yelich or $27, whatever he's going to cost in this situation for Alex Verdugo. Yes. The back can be a problem, but for nine bucks, That's a small enough price tag that I'm willing to find out. So give me some guys that you think are good salary cap values in terms of your ROI. Well, I think Mark can talk about your Mets. Mark Canna, two bucks. I mean, <sighs> pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened here. Why are we turned off? Are we worried about playing time in any way? Is that the problem here? Because I this guess guy so. produces. I guess there's a lot of guys there now. People just look at it. It's like this. Yeah, but someone's got to go, right? Someone's going. Yes. People are you leaving. Escobar, you got Nimmo, you got McNeil, you got, you know, it, it's, I get it. I get why, but I'm with you for two bucks. I'd like to find out. And everybody always gets hurt anyway. It's why I drafted Jonathan VR everywhere last year. And people were saying, why are you drafting Jonathan VR? It's like, cause he's going to have 400 at bats probably because he's playing for the Mets. And sure enough, there's Jonathan <laughs> VR going out there. You yeah. know, if he gets 300 at bats, he's going to steal 30 bases probably. So I'll figure <laughs> it out. And sure enough, he did. Well, go ahead. Tell Shocking. me more about uh, Kana. He scores a lot of runs, and I know he played in Oakland, too. I like the park upgrade. This is actually a better park for him to hit in. And they signed him to a deal that indicates to me they want to play him. He, I don't think he would have signed there as like, oh, I'm an afterthought, or maybe I'll be the fourth outfielder. That's ridiculous. You got a DH. They signed him to a deal. He wants to play. He's going to play. And this guy can steal bags and score runs. And in OBP leagues, he's just even more valuable because of his walkability and his (laughs) wonderful play discipline. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. Come on. What's going right, on here? So is one. Give me another one you got. Uh, the next one I'll give you is Mr. Ramon Laureano, his former teammate. Now, I know he had some trouble here and the suspensions and issues. Things didn't go his way, but he's still a very, very talented player. And at the price, it's a no-brainer to me. It's a great opportunity to cash in on a guy who could steal 20, hit you, honey, hit you 20 home runs, hit 280. He, he scored a lot of runs. He could do everything. He really can, and he's still coming into the prime of his career I love Loriano. And then lastly, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I, I found myself drafting him recently in that Battle of Pods draft that I referenced earlier. That's Adolis Garcia. I, I can't believe it. Um, Dolly didn't buy it last year. His whiff rate is just in, it's just off the charts. It is, it it's is. awful. It's so bad. But the people they signed in this lineup and the way this lineup's starting to look, even if he's not great, there's too many opportunities for run production here. And I think he can still run into 30 home runs, even though he strikes out a ton. And he, th- he steals bags, too. 
This is, again, a guy that I think, even though he has red flags that are very, 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 they're waving him like crazy, <laughs> I still think it's worth taking this guy at the value. You know what? It's funny because I, I, Adoles Garcia is a guy, and I think one of our mocks I ended up taking because he just yeah. lasted way longer than he should. And I said, well, you know what? He has issues. Now, if you're in a league, you know, points league where you get minuses for strikeouts, well, that's a whole different yeah. set of circumstances then because he then undoes all the good things he does with that. <laughs> but at he the does. same time, you know, he's going right neck and neck with Alex Verdugo, 45 and 46 in terms of outfielder overall, and then pick 150, 154. So I'll ask you. Would you rather have Adolis Garcia or Alex Verdugo? Oh, boy. Uh, Come on, thinking. Joe. Come on. I want to know. This is tough. This is really. That's why I asked it. The, the, the Alex Verdugo love within me is still, it's still, it's still coming I out. It was. I, I, I got it. Was. I think I'm going to go Verdugo. I, I just, I'm worried it's about tough, the back though. still. It is. I'm, I'm scorned. I'm devastated. I feel like I've been betrayed in a way. But he still was decent. So if that back is not a permanent problem, then he's ended up going to be a massive return on investment. You're absolutely right on that. All right. There you go. Uh, Michael Govier. Of course, you can follow on the Twitter machine at MJ Govier. Check out his podcast, the Palazzo Podcast. What else you got going on, Govier? What's happening uh, in your universe nowadays? I know you were just ice skating <laughs> before you came in here. You were practicing. You were getting ready for the uh, the next Olympics, what, in four years and 26, I guess, right? The next Winter Olympics. You're, you're training now. The training starts now. That's me. I'm on the ice every day here. Some of Michigan's finest, uh, you know, figure skating, speed skating. I do it all, especially at 240 pounds. You'd be amazed how quick I go. I would pay to watch you <laughs> figure skate. And I mean, like, pay-per-view, $59.99 kind of pricing to watch that. As long as you're going to pay the hospital bills afterwards, I, I am in. We got to get insurance music. on this. I want the outfits with all kinds of glitter and sequins. I want the whole thing. But I Like would, Chris I, Farley. <laughs> oh, God, I remember what Farley did. That was an amazing thing. That was great. Farley. That is an underrated Chris Farley. Bit. That great really bit. is. <laughs> but I, I'm doing uh, all kinds of stuff. You can start at MJ Govia on Twitter, like Joe said, and go from there because I have too many things that I just do. Not that I'm better than anyone. I'm just trying to do as many things that pique my interest. Movies, mental health, whatever it is, I'm down with it. So you can also go to rotofanatic.com if you would not mind. We have a fantasy baseball website there that I uh, own with other people. So if you like fantasy baseball, check that out. And you're doing stuff on the YouTube, right, too, yes? Oh, yeah, yeah. We got YouTube channels galore. There's You can... Go to the Palazzo Podcast YouTube channel. Subscribe there. We got the Rota Fanatic. We're doing positional tiers videos for each position, too. So you can subscribe to that. And just start at MJ Govia and go from there. Trust me, it'll just be much simpler on Twitter. That's where all my stuff emanates from. That's home base for my stuff. Give him a follow, everybody. He's a great follow. He does great work. And uh, and on a serious note, the stuff about mental health, I appreciate a great deal personally. I think it's under-discussed. I think you're very brave for talking about it, and I appreciate that you do. And uh, hopefully anybody you, out there, too, you know, uh, who struggles at times, this is, you know, you're not alone. And I think that's an mm -hmm. important thing, and it's nice to, to get reminded of that. So a good baseball guy, a good football guy, just a good guy, Michael Govier. Go give him a hey, shout-out. me! And in the meantime, you want to meet some more friends, go over to our Discord at fantasypros.com slash chat. Join that for free and upgrade so you can take part in all the other dozens of amazing channels we have. Also, don't forget, start your mock draft right now over at fantasypros.com slash draftwizard. The draft wizard is up and running at Fantasy Pros. You can run all... You can just sit there all day, uh, you know, and just mock draft your pants off all day. It's amazing. Get you ready get you prepared. It is the absolute 100%. And I'm sure everybody in the industry who comes on this show will tell you the same thing. 
who don't work at Fantasy Pros. It is the best of the best in terms of mock draft software. It just is. I use it, it all is. the time. Before I worked at Fantasy Pros, I use it all the time. While I'm working at Fantasy Pros, it is fantastic. And I urge you, if you haven't tried it yet, to go and go check it out at fantasypros.com slash draftwizard and start mock drafting today. That'll do it for us, but the story of the game goes on. For Michael Govier, I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids. <laughs>